1: gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels. Only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up.
0: Hello, geeks, and welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from TV, film, books, comics, and what have you. And tonight we've got a very special episode for you in honor of Shark Week! I'm Shark so- Week! Shark Week! It had a little bit of a lull with Shark Week around like 2014, 15, when they came up with like the Megalodon documentary and like mermaids and all these dumb shits they've kind of pushed away from that and are going now with just more like celebrity ones where celebrities dive with sharks and that's a better move for any kind of like sensationalistic stuff that's added to shark week uh throw some celebrities in and just have fun with them and it's been a lot of fun another uh gui regular that's uh here that's been enjoying shark week as well is the danimal dan which is here what's up buddy I'm so happy to see you. You, uh, for those unfamiliar uh, with uh, Dan's movements recently, uh, you just moved out of state, out of Virginia. Where are you living now?
2: I am uh, actually just just south of Denver, Colorado. I'm kind of in between Denver and Aurora, a little a little closer to Aurora, but it only it, it takes me like ten minutes to drive to downtown Denver.
0: Oh, that's so, nothing. Yeah, that's.
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm in I'm in quote unquote like Denver County, you know, basically so, Denver. Yeah, yeah, so basically yeah. Denver.
0: That's awesome,
2: and uh, and
0: so you're mostly unpacked at this point. Still uh, working on some stuff or?
2: mostly unpacked. Yeah, um, like all the boxes are unpacked. That like the biggest thing at this point is really just you know sorting through the just like Everest size of clothes and t-shirts that i like, i you know, and re- I'm sure you can relate. You yes, know, concert like most of them are like from concerts and. You know, like specialty t-shirts and breweries and that sort of thing. There's that
0: one concert tour t-shirt that is uh, about a few sizes uh, before COVID that you don't want to get rid of, but just doesn't quite fit you the same that it used to. Well,
2: it's it's actually pretty interesting that you said that. Um, I've actually lost weight during COVID, believe it or not. (laughs) I...
0: And that's our show. Um, I'm not, oh, right. <laughs> my jealousy is ending this episode. Um, no, that's awesome. That's amazing. Also, probably the stresses of moving across country helped a little bit with some of that weight loss.
2: Yeah, well, and you know, primarily kind of moving myself. I, I only, unfortunately, was only able to get like a couple people to help me out. Now, yeah, like we talked about earlier. You know, you moved the same weekend, and and groups moved the same weekend. It was so the, like it was...
0: trifecta of moving with all the same <laughs> friend group. So getting people to help was a, a challenge for yes, sure.
2: definitely a challenge.
0: Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're settling in.
2: I got my stuff here. Yeah. And yeah, my, my dogs really enjoying it, which is always a plus.
0: Well, and the, the added plus side, I guess the silver lining of everything going on with, uh, with the world right now is that even with you being over in Colorado, we're stable, still able to have you regularly on some of the shows on the network and you can still be involved with the network even though you're so many states away but so and um i'm I'm excited to have you on for this episode in honor of shark week Uh, excited to be here man speaking of unpacking we're going to be unpacking our terrible choices on a remake reimagining reboot of the fantastic uh, 1999 movie deep blue sea now, even within the uh, the showrunners on GUI and a number of the uh, the regular panelists, there's a split of feelings on this movie. Some absolutely adore this movie. Some look at it as, as total trash and not worth your time. I'm of the former. I love how stupid this movie is. And I'm excited to kind of see what our takes are going to be on a, a remake or a reimagining on this. Um, Dan, did you have any kind of challenges trying to come up with your ideas for for your, your versions of this?
2: I, I did. And I, obviously I, I took a couple of different approaches on this. Um, You know, I, I, i watched it again last night for the first time in years.
0: Same. I did the same. Yeah. You no.
2: Know? And, and, and honestly, <laughs> I really forgot how bad the acting is.
0: <laughs> Not only the acting, but the CGI in this movie is yes. so abysmally like dated that, I swear, like two years after it came out, it was like, it <laughs> Has that kind of... Right.
2: I know, and you think you, you look at it and you're like, "Okay, this came out the same year as The Matrix," and then Matrix did like way, way better. <laughs> you know, well, of I course, they didn't have to do a CGX shark or anything like that.
0: True, but, but then I date back to like 1993. You know, six years before, um, or uh, no, yeah, six years before this movie, Deep Blue Sea came out, and Jurassic Park. Knocks yeah. it out of the park with <laughs> right? its CGI and uh, and and actual like uh, and and practical effects as well. Uh, I don't yeah. think they used any practical or very little practical in Deep Blue Sea. No, no,
2: and, maybe maybe um, maybe Thomas Jane's abs.
0: Maybe <laughs> yeah, right? he was wearing one of those like Halloween muscle shirts. <laughs> you can see like the the hems on it. You know, <laughs> it's got like a fake tattoo that says "Mom," in, yeah. but. Um, the challenge and also the fun part of a movie like Deep Blue Sea is that there's no real depth to it whatsoever it's a pretty standard deal the basic gist a, uh, a, some scientists are fucking with nature tell me if you've heard this one relating to dinosaurs scientists are messing with nature they start w- wondering about whether or not they could and, whether, and not thinking about whether or not they should and chaos ensues and shit gets destroyed it's a tale as old as yeah. time
2: and, and Samuel L. Jackson dies. And yeah, it's so, so weird. How
0: there's a right? there's almost like a continuity there. And uh oh, and it's such a beautiful one, right at the end of this inspirational speech, he just a shark comes out comes up like 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 out of a water out out of the water, grabs him and then like dips back into the water like he's like some sort of video game plant that comes and grabs him. It's just it's so utterly fucking ridiculous. <laughs> But the, the fun part about this is that because there's no real depth to it or anything, it's just fun, dumb, sci-fi action movie. You can really play with it any way that you want, but the challenges of it is that because it's not really saying anything other than, shark scary, man makes yeah. shark scarier, shark scarier, it's hard to figure out the justification on the casting choices, the directors, you know. Why are you remaking it? And that was kind of some of the challenges I ran into. Uh, for those unfamiliar with smack my pitch up basically we take property both of us myself and the guest have an opportunity to pick actual choices on a reboot remake reimagining on what we think might work nowadays for a reboot remake re- re- reimagining then we have the remix which is a shot in the dark outside the box take on what it could look like if say it had a different tone to it or style or what have you? So it's making, you know, comedies like intense noir dramas or, or, you know, making John Waters direct a He-Man movie is normally what I end up suggesting, like, as one of our previous episodes. <laughs> so there, there, there's a lot of opportunities here for us to get really weird and wild. And we're going to enjoy that as we dive deep into this episode <laughs> on uh, <laughs> on Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Uh, so, be- before we uh, get started with the casting and stuff, uh, let's let's do our serious ones first, our real takes on it. Now, are you doing a, a sequel, prequel, reimagining, re- just reboot, remake? So,
2: yeah, mine, mine, I actually, I know I was only supposed to circle one, okay, but I actually circled two. I did reboot slash remake.
0: Okay, that's fine. Um, There's a and- lot of those where it's like both a sequel and a remake at the same time and all these yeah. weird...
2: It was like like Kevin when, you know, Kevin Smith comes to mind because he just did the Jane Silent Bob reboot, you know. Sure, yeah. But it's literally like almost like word for word, (laughs) the exact same movie, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So it was interesting, like when I, uh, so when I started to sort of think about that, I was like, all right, well, you know, like who would sort of fill the different roles and make it kind of serious, you know. Sure. Uh, for, for like a true reboot. And um, I got to tell you, I pretty much stayed with the original cast. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> you know, well, I for, looked at it and was like, I was like, maybe they just need a chance to, uh, you know, not be all cheese ball and like take it sort of seriously. You know?
0: That was one of the things I actually was looking at when rewatching it is that there's, this is a blockbuster cast. I mean, yes. it's got a killer cast and all pretty good actors. Well, and then Thomas Jane, but, uh,
2: <laughs> but the well, then, is- and then also Jan, Jan, um, was it Jan Higgins who played, uh, Jacqueline? Yeah. Uh, who was, uh, she was the, I guess wife or girlfriend or whatever of Stellan Scarsgard, you know?
0: Oh yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah.
2: Which, you know, he did okay. Like his, his part was so small. You really didn't even notice him for the most part. Um, but you know, I, I have, Literally everybody coming back for this. <laughs> There's i I say maybe maybe change Ronnie Cox, you know, because he didn't say a word. Yeah. <laughs> he just stood there while Samuel L. Jackson talked to Saffron Burroughs. You know, and I was just kind of like, All right, well, you know, I've seen most of these people in other things.
0: Oh, you know? definitely.
2: Like obviously I've seen LL Cool J and like everything that he's done. Yep. Just about you know, did great in SWAT, is good in NCIS, was solid in Mindhunters, and you're just kind of like, maybe he just needs another shot at this, <laughs> you know? It was like, he played the religious part. Like, a, a religious cook is just a weird combo.
0: It really is, and <laughs> I that was a consideration, the religious aspect, when I, when I did casting for his character as well. But what yeah. I also noticed is that a lot of the actors that are in this movie, even though this movie was 21 years ago, this movie came out, they the all... Also- we can drink they yeah this movie yeah. can drink also they look pretty much exactly the same as they did in this movie like yeah, none of them, none of them aged did. at all i don't know if it maybe they took some of that uh that brain juice from the shark like during the filming of this movie and it made them immortal i'm not sure why but they all look pretty much exactly the same which is a challenge when talking about recasting where it's like why not go with i mean ll looks about the same Thomas Jane looks about the yeah. same. Sam Jackson, I think, is actually immortal. I don't think he ages yeah. at all. He,
2: I haven't like he doesn't look any different than he did from what was it? Uh, well, the first movie I remember seeing him in was *Coming to America*.
0: Yep, you know that was and one that, of his early roles. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's thirty-two years ago. He looks. He doesn't look like he's aged a day in thirty-two years. Yeah, right. You know, aside from wearing a hairpiece or or just just keeping it bald, <laughs> you know, it's about the only difference.
0: Well, then, so for your uh, kind of reboot reimagining if you're bringing a lot of the same cast back totally are you saying you're going to just take it a little bit more seriously with this yes.
2: version like I, I want if we're going to go the cgi approach with the uh, with the sharks like actually make the sharks not look completely ridiculous you know
0: and we have that technology now
2: <laughs> we we totally have the technology now i mean there's there's another matrix movie coming out i can't imagine how much greater like that's going to look oh yeah you know <laughs> By comparison to 21 years ago. But yeah, I I think, um, you know, probably the only one that looks like he's aged at all really is, well, two of them. So Michael Rappaport, who doesn't look the same as he did 20, 20 years ago. Yeah you know, and still then, goofy looking, uh, and Stellan Skarsgård are really the only two that look like they've changed.
0: And he just gained a little you know. bit of like old man weight. He's still not looking bad. He just no. looks, he just kind of grew into he his did. age a little bit. He's
2: got that little, that little beer gut, a little
0: pouch, <laughs> you, you know, nothing wrong with it. That's, you know, he got to the age where he was like, fuck it. It's the, right. it's the, it's the Shatner where you get that little paunch you know, not, not necessarily even like chunky, just, you know, getting up there in age a little bit, yeah. you gain a few pounds, nothing wrong with it. But uh, with mine, I really wanted to kind of look at what was possible with the plot, where you're looking at it basically, I remember re-watching it last night and thinking that at the beginning of the movie, when the shark you know, bites Skarsgård's arm off, and then chaos fucking ensues, and then he just brings Skarsgård to the window like, fuck you, and then the window breaks, <laughs> yeah. and that's when the, the sinking starts to happen, the water starts rushing into the facility, and then... It basically turns into like a slasher movie, but the slasher is a shark or sharks, like going through the halls trying to kill people. And so I wanted to kind of approach it from really looking at it from a claustrophobic kind of horror element with mine. Uh, So I I definitely wanted to kind of have that kind of Jaws-esque feeling of like not knowing what's quite under the water. And there's a couple notes of that in the original, but I really wanted to kind of play into that a little bit more what's around the corner, nowhere is safe, but you can't see where the danger is, you know, that kind of a feeling. Uh, for your real take, are, do you have a specific director you're looking to do, or are you just trying to basically do a, a better better CGI quality version of the original?
2: Well, actually, so, um, we actually talked about him earlier, but I, I was honestly thinking Spielberg. Okay. Because, A, obviously, he has he has experience with both obviously Jaws. Yeah.
0: You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to do Killer Shark movie, there's want, one, one guy you there, call. There,
2: there's, there's a bar, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can totally, and, you know, obviously with his experience with Jurassic Park and doing stuff that's animatronic, um, not saying that necessarily he has to go the animatronic route because he's done stuff that's all CGI as well.
0: Yeah, like uh, Ready Player One, for example. Correct.
2: Yeah. And- so he's he's got kind of both with the mix on that now, so he could really kind of go either way, and I think you know he he would be accepting of doing something that's like more the CGI route to kind of give this the I guess noir kind of like feeling. Sure, um, that that of the classic
0: ca- the the like Spielbergian kind of like touch, you know, where it just, it feels almost timeless. It's got kind of almost a, a whimsical nature to it, but it also can be very intense and characters really well fleshed out. Yeah, Spielberg has that tone. The only director I've seen come close to that tone was in a movie that was produced by Spielberg, and that was JJ Abrams in Super Eight.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. Such a good movie.
0: Great movie, but you that's like the one time that it wasn't technically a Spielberg well now twice. That in Poltergeist. That he was technically the producer. But I feel like Abrams yeah. actually had more directing duty on Super Eight than Toby Hooper did on Poltergeist. I think Spielberg definitely was a little bit more involved in Poltergeist. Just a touch. (laughs) So, yeah, Spielberg, I I like that. So, as far as casting, you're pretty much keeping it the same? Yeah. Okay. So, you're just going to have just basically a better version of Deep Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Forget about the 99 version. Let's just run with Spielberg doing, like – could you imagine those actors also revisiting their character and like doing another version, but it's Spielberg at the helm?
2: Right. Being like Oh, exactly.
0: okay. Yeah, let's do this.
2: <laughs> I can do this better. I can do this way better. <laughs> I, uh,
0: I decided to pick a director for my real take that uh, is kind of hit or miss. There's been some real banger uh, movies that this director has done and some not so great pieces as well, but I think – the approach that I'm going for more of a very much a horror element, you know, a lot of suspense, uh, you know, not sure where the the horrors are coming from. If they're beneath you or down the hall, uh, I decided to go with the director of Dog Soldiers, The Descent. And that was the, my main thought process with this is close quarters, not knowing where the enemy is coming from, uh, Doomsday and unfortunately, the new Hellboy movie <laughs> as well. I know. But uh I, I have. Hope that Neil Marshall, the director, Neil Marshall, would be able to do something interesting with uh, with Deep Blue Sea.
2: Yeah, and you know, yeah, I, I think so too. Because I I look at Hellboy, and I don't, I blame a lot of the horribleness of that on on Mila Jovovich, which is oh. you know, so because you know, uh, David Harbor actually. Well, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he wasn't, like, as bad as I had heard.
0: No, he wasn't terrible. So, that that wasn't the main issue. It just felt, it just didn't feel like a Hellboy movie, really. No,
2: it's like the whole concept behind it was like, oh, you're going to be her, her king and this, that. Just, yeah. yeah. It was weird.
0: Especially with having two brilliant Guillermo del Toro Hellboys, it's really hard to find a justification for having a kind of a almost a reboot of that series.
2: Yeah. And, uh, well, and that's all. That's the whole adage of we need to do another movie, or we lose the, uh, you know, we kind of lose the copyright.
0: Yeah. And with uh with Neil Marshall with Doomsday, he was trying to do too many movies in one movie. There was like the Infection movie. There was like the Cannibal movie, car chase in the post-apocalypse movie, a night's Tale. I it was thrown in there for good measure. Um, yeah. So if it's centered on this sea location with sharks, there's only so many movies you can do with that kind of storyline. So I feel like it would create enough parameters to let him really play in that space and create a lot of suspense and build up you know where where are the sharks where, you know are 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 we in immediate danger or do we have a chance to catch our breath you know like they're they it's both the shark and the water filling the installation that are the enemy you know you you're worried about suffocating or, or drowning sorry drowning um well, drowning basically suffocating yeah yeah uh, and also getting you know eaten to death by these uh, big scary smart sharks. So,
2: which devoured a mako in like no time.
0: Yeah, right. So right. I'm I'm interested <laughs> to see what he could do to kind of create a lot more suspense in that circumstance. I think the the bones are good on this film, and it just needs to have a little bit more of a, a deft touch to really make it sing. So, uh, yeah. for my Neil Marshall version, I'll go pretty quick through the, uh, the casting here. I actually did a a gender swap for the main character, Carter Blake that was played by Thomas Jane Uh, for this one. I wanted, um, I was trying to think of kind of smarmy attitude actor, but the like smarmy tough guy kind of persona thing just doesn't really play quite as well as it did back in like the nineties. So I thought to have like a kind of like self-realized, you know, athletic, you know, kind of smarmy lady character as as Carter. And I f- feel like with a name like Carter, you could even not change the name, and it's fine. Um, I got Lena Headey to be the main character from... Uh, Interesting choice. Game of Thrones, yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles, yeah. and uh, Dread. She's a statuesque woman. Uh, she's yeah. she's fit. She's got kind of a, a strong... She's got kind of... I, I can understand why she was cast in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, because she's got that kind of like classic like strong female protagonist kind of tone to her yeah a bit so i think
2: it'd be she was great in the sarah connor chronicles
0: underappreciated series
2: for sure like everybody in that show yeah yeah summer glow was great too
1: well
0: that's the problem they cast summer glow and that's the summer glow curse (laughs)
2: it's true it
0: will kill a series but love you summer (laughs) glow just making a joke uh, avid listener, <laughs> Summer Glau. That's not true. Um, so, the next one up is uh, Saffron Burroughs, uh, the uh, scientist that decides to play God a little bit. And uh, Dr.
2: Susan McAllister. Yep.
0: And uh, I decided to go with, uh, to change it to Stefan Burroughs, to do a gender Stephon swap there. Yeah, Stefan Burroughs instead of Saffron. Um, so the scientist that doesn't know when to quit and plays God a little bit. uh, I decided to go with uh, James McAvoy.
2: That's a good choice. Yeah. um, I like that.
0: He, he can play the smart character very well. He can play the character that turns a little bit. Like uh, if you remember him from atomic blonde, he went to like the, the friendly here to help out kind of character and then had like this turn in it. Uh, So I think uh, that that's going to be interesting to see him play kind of both a nerdy guy and also one that kind of like, understands that a lot of this was his fault, you know, (laughs) and, and, and taking the, uh, taking the dive there. Then for, uh, Russell Franklin, which I believe that's, uh, Sam Jackson's character. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for that, I wanted somebody that could come off as friendly, personable, intelligent, you know, all, all the notes that Sam Jackson is hitting on that, but there is that underlying, like, I will fuck you up kind of tone as well. Like he's, the CEO, he's the guy in charge. He's thinking two steps ahead of everybody else kind of motive. And uh, there's an actor that I've been a fan of for a long time. Uh, he's kind of a known quantity now, but he, he's, not, he's not gotten a lot of like, leading parts, big parts in movies, um, besides a couple. Uh, known from his roles in Snatch, The Walking Dead, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, Columbiana, and Blade Runner 2049. Oh, uh, Lenny James, he plays Morgan in The Walking Dead and Fear of Walking yeah, Dead series. Yeah. Incredible actor, I don't think gets enough big juicy parts in in movies.
2: No. So definitely does.
0: I would uh I would like to see what he would do in that in that role as like the CEO, the the guy with the money, the one that's two steps ahead kind of role. Then uh Janice Higgins, or uh the, the Skarsgard's love love interest scientist yeah. cohort in this. I wanted to go with a a feminine, but still like intelligent in her own right, independent, but still like kind in 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 their kind of energy, and that immediately kind of brought me around to, and also accent pretty close um, to an actress from Chocola. Chocola, is that Chocola? <laughs> chocolate. 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 Chocolate.
2: The movie
0: Chocolate. It's chocolate. The movie Chocolate. Also, Dan in real life, uh, Godzilla, The English Patient, uh, the unimpeachable Juliette oh, Binoche excellent. yes she is as,
2: as soon as you started as soon as you said Godzilla followed by Dan in real life I was like oh I know exactly yeah
0: <laughs> Juliette Binoche is a fan fucking tastic actress um unimpeachable yeah. nobody nobody's gonna complain about her being in a film role She's incredible uh, uh adorable uh intelligent uh absolutely can bring nuance to a character that's not even on the written page, you know, knows how to really flesh out a character just with subtle, subtle movements, subtle takes of on the character. So I would love to see what she would do with this character that doesn't have a lot of speaking parts, is around, but yeah, is definitely kind of like second fiddle to Skarsgård in the movie. I would like to see what she could do with that part and really flesh it out a little bit more.
2: Yeah, well, plus, you know, that, that, that part of Janice, I mean, that's... It's very front loaded. You know, that character has a lot at like at the beginning, like going through the facility and everything. Sure. She's like, basically once Stellan Skarsgard like killed off, she sort of disappears into the background.
0: Well, and (laughs) that's kind of what I want to avoid. Exactly. No, you're exactly correct. And I really don't want that to happen in the remake. I want her to, because there's so much emotion happening with that character that we just don't get to see after uh, Skarsgard dies. So, this allows, you know, a, a actor like Julia Pinot, she could really use the moments that she's in post Skarsgård to or post. Uh, what is it? Jim, Jim Whitlock uh, to she could use those moments to really like show the emotional like kind of hurricane that her character's in right now, you know, wanting to mourn, but not having the time to and being like afraid and traumatized and but also focused on his death, not being for nothing, you know, like there being some kind of direction there.
2: Well, see, and plus, you know, they could, they could almost um, have her kill one of the sharks out of vengeance, whether they kill that character off or not.
0: No. Yeah. True.
2: Especially if there's going to be, if there's going to be three, like there, like there were originally.
0: Well, and that's one thing that I, I, I wanted to, the main hits that I put for my notes is I want it to be claustrophobic both yeah. using uh using the enclosed space of the uh of the floating lab but also um you know flood, wa- flood water coming in you know creating that feeling of being like trapped uh minimal visuals on the shark for the most part that you, that you know don't show everything kind of move the the jaws kind of motif a little bit
2: where, it's also it's like the entire plot of alien too
0: yeah kind of <laughs> use that classic kind of you know uh show less feel more kind of vibe and then also more sharks that now there's only three in the original there were three genetically manipulated sharks but there were additional sharks they had on the compound that were there for possible manipulation and stuff so it's not that all the sharks there are smart there are just straight up some sharks and then three thoughtful like intelligent sharks (laughs) that are you know that scene in Jurassic Park with the shark is like oh. unless they learn to open doors and then you see a shark fin push down on a handle to like open up.
2: You know, I actually have thought of that, you know, there's that one scene um, actually when, when the, uh, when the Janice Higgins character bites it, there's that scene where they they actually show the door that they thought it closed. And then it, you know, reopens. Sure. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, this is totally Jurassic park in water, man. I would love to (laughs)
0: see that Jurassic park scene, but in like half flooded water uh kitchen yeah. uh with with the janice higgins character just like trying to close the door to the, to the like the uh the metal like the metal door and then it's a and reflection the, and
2: then like a fin comes through instead of <laughs> instead of a raptor hand. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, Absolutely. Then uh for my next casting here. Next one I've got is uh, Jim Whitlock, the main scientist character played by Skarsgard. Um a not A huge role in speaking parts, but definitely a huge role in what that character represents for everyone. It's the first real death out of all the characters. This is the beginning of the shit show of this movie, and this is an actor that's worked with uh, Neil Marshall before and is a fantastic actor in his own right. Uh, I was fortunate enough to meet him at a uh, horror convention years ago, Uh, Droogie Boy himself, Malcolm McDowell.
2: Nice as uh as That'd Jim Whitlock,
0: yeah he 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 can play the uh, kind of brash uh kind of singularly focused scientist character relatively well.
2: Now, do you want him like Malcolm McDowell now, or do you want like a clockwork a clockwork orange Malcolm McDowell?
0: No, I'm thinking like old like curmudgeonly Malcolm McDowell. I think is kind of the casting okay. for that. So excellent. So you've got kind of that contrast of like curmudgeonly Malcolm McDowell with like a uh, a sweet kind of like warm Juliette Binoche as like the interest where it's almost like um there's there's an age gap and there's also very much a hard contrast in the way they kind of present themselves but you can see how they kind of would mesh together and balance each other out uh then we've got preacher as played by LL Cool J in the uh in the original movie and this character definitely LL there was this whole like his invisible friend like his invisible buddy was God that he was just talking to God the whole time. And he's got like, oh, he didn't
2: have the, he didn't have the parakeet.
0: He had The parakeet. Sure. And that's, that's, you got to get an actor in there that can play off like an animal that can like kind of ad lib, have some fun with it. And is just naturally charming. And in a lot of times with stuff like this, I would, I was like, I need to get another rapper turned actor in there, but like for the modern era. Uh, so initially I was thinking common, but common is he's, I I think he he's not a bad choice, but he's a little bit older in age than I was looking for. And also not quite as fun in that role. Common plays like charismatic and like, you know, direct, but he doesn't have that like kind of slightly goofy quality that LL had in the role. Uh, But chance the rapper on the other hand, (laughs) I think would do a fantastic job. Do like little dances as he's cooking and just have a lot of fun with the role. If you haven't had the chance to see the movie Slice, it's a really cheesy horror movie that Chance the Rapper and uh, Zazzy Beats is in. It's on, uh, as far as I know, it's still on Prime uh, for Prime owner- holders, uh, and it's it's a very fun horror movie that's definitely worth your time. He plays a werewolf in it.
2: Just I just have a hard time anybody that, that is a rapper that has to add the rapper to the end of like. I think it's
0: charming. Dang. I think it's incredibly charming. It's
2: like it, what, Snoop the rapper. I mean, think about that for a second.
0: <laughs> would it be better if he was just like chance, <laughs> just chance. Yeah.
2: Kinda. <laughs> kind of. Or MC. It would sound a little bit more hardcore, especially if you're trying to be a rapper. Dude.
0: I feel it's like the same thing <laughs> as adding MC to the front of your name. Like it's the same thing, so, but what,
2: what, so MC hammer is such a great rapper too. Come on. Man.
0: <laughs> but MC hammer sounds better than hammer the rapper. Just like chance. The rapper sounds better th- than MC chance.
2: Yeah, but remember he, M.C. Hammer changed it at one point and joined Death Row Records just to just Hammer?
0: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Did, was that when he came out with Pumps and he the had Bumps?
2: Yeah, I think so. He <laughs> had to like toughen his image.
0: I'm really mad that I can pull out Pumps and the Bumps that quickly in a conversation about M.C. Hammer. That's uh, <laughs> that's something that should have died out of my brain years ago. <sighs> but then uh, the final character that I'm casting is uh, Tom Scoggins, which was uh, Michael Rappaport's character in this. Yeah. So you need kind of a, I wasn't going to go quite as brash as, as Michael Rappaport just naturally is and brings to every role that he's in. Except uh, this one. Except this one. <laughs> <laughs> and also because I'm, I'm casting predominantly, not entirely, but predominantly uh, British actors in this as well. Cause Neil Marshall is British. I wanted yeah. it to be like a British installation with American money, kind of a, kind of a cross. So you have a little bit of an international flair to it, but, uh, but there's a mixture of both British and American uh, people on, on the rig. Um, for Tom Scoggins, I went with a British actor who I adore. I mean, I think everybody adores this person, uh, Martin Freeman.
2: Oh, of course. Uh,
0: as yeah. known as, you know, from The Hobbit, uh, from from Sherlock Holmes, the series on BBC, from Love Actually, from everything. He's been in fucking everything.
2: I forgot he was in Love Actually.
0: Yeah, he's also uh, you know,
2: obviously that was an entire British cast. It's also from yeah, the,
0: the, the Winter Soldier, of, like a couple of people, and a uh, Black Panther, and yeah, he's yeah, he wasn't Black Panther. Yeah, and I think he'd be a lot of fun as just like the the charming kind of that guy, you know, bringing a little bit of comic relief. Um, is just the kind of the everyman that allows you to enter into the. He's kind of your way into the cast list. No, nobody is the the protagonist. You need that like Joe Everyman character that allows you to kind of have access. And so that would be Martin Freeman in this case. So that's my uh, serious take, or my my re remake. I think it's just a straight-up remake. Um, no, reimagining, because there is definitely more horror ele- elements to it, uh, yeah. to my version. So um, that's really just giving it a little bit more reason to exist than just a straight-up, just kind of dumb, fun action movie, is create yeah. some horror elements. Now, we are at the part where we're getting into the very silly version of uh of this movie here
2: there's it's interesting like i I was looking i was just kind of looking through my list of that and like it's it's the people that i that i picked for this um you can you can view it kind of as silly but you could also view it as serious somewhat at the same time
0: and that's what i mean by silly is that (laughs) maybe not the tone is silly or maybe it is but um, it's more that it's a interesting outside the box take on this property. So, Deep yeah. Lucy, you're you're trying to figure out. Well, it would be weird if it looked like this kind of a, a tone. Yeah. So, for your uh, remix take, uh, what's what's the tone? What are we looking at here? What, what's your who's your director? What's what's the kind of change in style and plot that you're looking for? Right.
2: So, I actually I, I went a little weird with this one. Um, I, I got uh, Gus Van Sant wow um, okay so i still have a serious act or a serious director um i was actually trying to, to to decide between like him and soderbergh you know
0: wow uh, okay like, if
2: i was if i was going to make it completely goofy i would have made it like steven soderberg because like if you ever seen any of the oceans movies like, sure completely goofy um
0: yeah contagion was a real fucking blast um,
2: yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> especially now yeah right <laughs> Um, but then like I, when I started looking at characters, I, I, uh, I, I tried to make it like a little goofy, but a little serious at the same time.
0: Okay. Okay. okay?
2: So, so for, uh, for Carter Blake, um, I actually, I picked uh, Jason Momoa. Okay. Um, solely for the reason that he's Aquaman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay.
0: Like yeah, no one's gonna be like balking at the fact that he's able to like fuck <laughs> no. with sharks. It right? <laughs> just like people are gonna headcanon it into being like a spiritual like companion piece to Aquaman.
2: Right. Like this well, especially like if you want somebody that's not afraid of sharks, if you want somebody that like knows their way around and is able to do that weird twist thing that, you know, Thomas um that Thomas Jane does at, the, at like the both the beginning and the end of the movie. The
0: end part too, like, it, like the, the CGI of him doing it to the like the big brain shark at the end is so tragically not how physics works.
2: No, that it looks it's like he went through the shark. Yeah, like it's <laughs> so,
1: like,
0: it is a challenge to the human psyche at that point to try to like figure out exactly what happened in that scene. But yeah, Jason Momoa, I like that. I like that casting a lot.
2: All right. And then for uh for Dr. Susan McAllister, and you know, I, I was looking this up. So Saffron Burrows is is tall. Sure. Okay? So I literally thought to myself, I was like, okay, it's like I need a tall brunette actress for this to play this like female lead character. Um and you know, on Blake Lively is like 5'10.
0: Oh wow, okay
2: you know so and i'm like she's done cheesy stuff like green lantern sure you know? but she's also done like she she was just absolutely phenomenal in um uh, in the town if you've ever seen the town yeah the
0: town yeah absolutely <laughs>
2: you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like okay she can play either side of this but she did like the sisterhood of the traveling pants so you know there's there's goofiness <laughs> but she can also do serious.
0: I like the comparison of green lantern in the town because like one movie is clearly better than the other, but only one (laughs) movie did he, did she marry the, uh, the leading actor in it. So who really won in that? Ben Affleck (laughs) or Ryan Reynolds?
2: I'm pretty sure it was Ryan. Yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah. Well done, Ben Affleck, you made a good movie. Uh, Ryan Reynolds got Blake Lively. So
2: yeah. Plus, you know, I mean, at, at the time, you know, at, Affleck was still married to Jennifer Garner anyway. So, you know, that's,
0: well, that didn't stop him with JLo. So, um,
2: (laughs) it's true. Yeah, it's true. But then that's also JLo. Yeah. Fair. Um, so for Russell, uh, the part played by Samuel L. Jackson, um, this is a big shocker. I have Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) You know, and normally I would give you a hard time for Sam Jackson playing both characters in the series. And, but it's also (laughs) Sam Jackson.
2: Correct. And I also looked there's... at it this way. I was like, he needs, like, if we're going to make it a goofy, he can be like, I, I look at his entire career catalog and like, this is the one that sticks out to me is like his worst acting performance ever. Right? Yeah, <laughs> And I'm like, okay. Um, it's like, maybe he can make it goofy or whatever. And like, it, it, it doesn't seem as bad.
0: The only scene in this entire movie where there's any importance to who's playing the role uh, of of his character that Sam Jackson's playing it is the scene between him and uh, Carter where he like brings up that Carter has like priors and shit. Yeah, and he's like, you can see why I would be concerned. It's the only time he actually gets to act in this movie. He's got that big grandiose like, you know, we're we're at halftime and we got to get the uh, the team juice before going back on the field speech before he gets fucking
2: eaten. And that's honestly that's like the his best performance in the entire movie. Yeah was right at that scene. And, you know, I, you know, when, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, okay, he's going to bite it like right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's, it's basically like, I, I, you just kind of saw it coming. You could feel it coming. It's like, even, even with the fact that it's like, okay, only a couple of people have died and the parakeet has died so far. Um, yeah. I was like, basically. Yeah. He just needs kind of a chance to redeem himself. Even if it's goofy. <laughs> Fair enough. So, all right. So for, uh, moving on to Tom Scoggins, um, I've got, so this guy's actually, uh, got quite a range. He's been in some serious stuff. Um, he was, he was on one of my favorite television shows for 12 years. Um, and he's also, so he's been in old school. uh, Okay. You know, just a classic. Uh, he's also in the big bang theory. Uh, but, uh, Simon Helberg. Um, and I basically was like, he's, he plays Howard Wolowitz on the big Bang. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. All right. So he's, he's a little nerdy guy. I'm like, if you're going to get a a, a nerdy guy, why not make him somebody like that?
0: That's a good (laughs) point. Like Michael Rappaport is too giant of a man to really be taken seriously as the quote unquote nerd character in a film. You know,
2: he's like what? Like six, five or something like that. He's a
0: massive beast of a human person.
2: Yeah, he's like, I went to Caltech for four years, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, nobody cares when you went to school, man, <laughs> <Yeah, than I." laughs> <right. laughs> um, All right, so moving down the list to uh, Jim, Whitlock, Jim Whitlock, originally played by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, so the person that I have playing him uh, has been in True Blood. Um Straw Dogs, and also The the Legend of Tarzan, and that is Stellan's son, Alexander Skarsgård.
0: You know, I was thinking about going with another Skarsgård. It seemed like a natural choice there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought thought for a second about, you know, casting Bill Skarsgård, and I was like, well, you know, everybody sees him as Pennywise now. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's really no way around that, so we can't...
0: Alexander is also a little older, too, right? So
2: yeah so alexander is like early 40s so you can kind of early to mid 40s you can
0: kind of see him as a scientist that has been around long enough to gain a little bit of uh you know recognition to be seen as a you know somebody leading in their field he's at least been at it for a little bit not like newly out of college (laughs) kind (laughs) of
2: character i just got my degree yeah
0: right i got scooped out of mit no uh
2: so, all right. So, moving down to Preacher, originally played by LL Cool J. Um, so, the person that I picked for this, um, this is going to be a gimme for you because he's been he's been in Gamer. Okay. Right? He's been in Law Abiding Citizen. Okay. And he's been in Three Hundred. So hmm,
0: I wonder who you're talking about, <laughs>
2: right? <laughs> None other than uh, Gerard Butler.
0: Gerard Butler. Gerard. Yes. Butler, which... so he's so basically, you're taking like an under siege kind of approach to the uh, the cook that can kick ass kind of a mo- mode there with <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Gerard Butler. Not
2: I did. I was I was this close to actually going with Steven Seagal. Oh man, <laughs>
0: I thought about it. I genuinely thought about doing like an under siege meets deep blue sea kind of version. <laughs>
2: Where it's Gary, like, Busey, Gary Busey plays one of the sharks because he has the teeth. Oh, know? no!
0: <laughs> now, that's a horror movie. Is a a <laughs> right. shark with Gary Busey teeth, yeah. How you doing, Gary Busey? I'm doing great! <laughs> it's just a shark mouth agape going, nah, for most of the movie.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: All right. <laughs> and then for uh, Janice Higgins, um, so uh, this, this actress... Um, far as the stuff that i've seen her in so she's she's been in uh men in black international
1: Uh, okay creed and then
2: my personal favorite um marvel cinematic universe movies uh she was in thor ragnarok yeah
0: i know exactly who you're talking about yeah uh
2: the one and only tessa thompson i
0: adore that woman so much
2: (sighs) yeah she's been great like in everything that i've seen her in, she's just she's phenomenal
0: well and just between the three movies the way that she portrayed the character i'd say men in black and uh thor ragnarok her characters are the closest between the three but there's a uh there's kind of a not only innocence but also kind of uh vulnerability that she brings to her character in creed yeah that really shows that she has a real good range on how she can play a character it's not just the the hardened badass like in thor ragnarok and a little bit yeah. in uh in men in black it, she can also be vulnerable and nuanced and like, you know, softer. So,
2: well, and she did, she carried that on into the, the second Creed movie too. I mean,
0: definitely. She was, yeah.
2: She was great in both of them. Um, I do, I do have one, like I, I added, um, an additional character just kind of while we were chatting. Okay. On, on both sides of this. So, um, I went with the parakeet. <laughs> okay.
0: Important. <laughs> while we were
2: talking. Yeah. And I'm a little torn, um, you know. Like a, a lot of people, probably aren't aware of who actually played the character on this. But um, I honestly, I, I didn't jot down the actress's name. Um, if you're if you're familiar with South Park at all, and I'm and I'm saying I know you are. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're familiar with South Park at all, um, the original cast there was actually um, there was a there was a, a one of the voice actors that like did it for the first couple of years. Unfortunately, like she took her own life, and I, I don't want to focus on that part of it. Sure, but, but she voiced like Wendy um, Sharon Bravosky, yeah, yeah, Bravlo- uh, Bravlovsky,
0: Bravlovsky, yeah.
2: Um, and you know a few of the other female characters on the show. Um, but she also did the parakeet in the original. Nice. <laughs> so obviously, I would keep her. Yeah, you know, so I'm kind of keeping the original cast with my reboot. Um, as far as as far as like the parakeet, I actually I, I picked like two different ones, um, for for literally just for like goofiness. Okay. Okay. Um, one of them, you and I actually met at Monster Mania a couple years ago. Uh, but the one and only Paul Rubens, I think, if he did his Pee Wee Herman, yes, stuff, like that'd parakeet, be parakeet. It would be great. Hell yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and then the other one is actually. Um, you know from a from a comic standpoint and everything uh you know he's been in some great movies he was in funny people um he was in pineapple express uh anchorman forty year old virgin and uh also paul uh which is seth Rogen. and since like he's already voiced like an alien, I figured he could pull off a parakeet pretty well
0: <laughs> he also if I remember correctly did a voice in the Lion King, the new, the like quote unquote live adapt live adaptation.
2: I, I still haven't seen that one yet, so I'll, have to, I'll take your word on I that. Think but I... he did, like, he was not Kung Fu Panda. I know that he did, yep. like, all like all the different Kung Fu Pandas. Does the uh, the, the cricket, I think, or the whatever?
0: Oh, the mantis. Uh, the mantis. Yeah, the, the mantis. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah! So, yeah. so yeah. he can he can definitely do voice acting and everything, and he can definitely make it funny too. Sweet. So.
0: Now um, there was, we're we'll rewatching Deep Blue Sea last night. I came up with kind of a concept, and then I played around with it a bit to kind of come up with my remix version. It's definitely a reimagining. <laughs> there is okay. no doubt about it in this regard. I kind of considered that: what if you, instead of focusing on the humans as the, uh, the, uh, viewed viewed for the through their lens. Uh, in the movie that you're looking at more from the perspective of the sharks and the rationale for what was going on that it was less. So it was almost kind of a, and I didn't take the director of this movie, but it was almost kind of looking at it like a Tucker and Dale versus evil kind of thing where the sharks are literally just trying to escape. Like they've been imprisoned by these weird monsters that walk on, walk in the, in the dry space and they just are trying to get away. And they're real sweet, especially as they've gotten smarter, that they're, they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just literally trying to get away. But anytime they get near one of them, they get, like, beaten and punched and set on fire and exploded. And, it's, and they're really upset, and they're just really just trying to get away. And then you add an additional element of that with the added genetical – genetical? That's not a word. Genetical uh, manipulation of their brains, they become uh, telepathic as well. Uh, And then, so you give it the, uh, look who's talking, look who's talking to treatment with the sharks. So Um, they could,
2: so they could like physically talk to themselves.
0: They can talk to each other. And then one human character that maybe has a, like a more spiritual kind of, uh, tone to them that they are close enough to God or whatever, what have you to be able to actually hear the sharks talking. So that's like the one connection is the, is the cook. The preacher able to hear the sharks and nobody else can. So I thought, why not take the director of Luku's Talking and Luku's Talking too, and use them as the director of a deep blue sea like comedic, uh, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil approach to the material.
2: Where so are they like? Are they like the Stewies, where like only certain characters can understand them? Kinda. Where like, it's, sort it's
0: just <laughs> like the the bird and the preacher and preacher the cook are able to hear the sharks now all the sharks for ease. And this is where it kind of comes to where your version is, is that all the sharks are voiced by the original cast of deep blue sea. So nice. you got Thomas Jane and LL cool J and uh, stone stars, scars And like all, th- all the big hits are returning. Uh, Michael Rappaport, all of them are the voices of the sharks in there.
2: It's and, like the spirit of the original.
0: Yeah. Just in there being <laughs> nice. like, you know,
2: Oh Jesus, they got flamethrowers,
0: you know, just like freaking out. <laughs> Um, and then you've got the, the new casting, uh, and the director that's doing this is Amy uh, Heckerling is the name of the director. Okay. Now, not just Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking uh, 2, but also uh, was a producer on the TV series that was based on that called Baby um, Talk.
2: Baby Talk. I remember seeing that.
0: Also, and this this is where, like, true credit, this is a, this is a legit director, uh, not just Look Who's Talking, but Fast Times at Ridgemont High, nice. Na- National Lampoon's European Vacation. Uh, Clueless loser, and uh, most recently ha- was heavily involved in the series Red Oaks nice so a, I mean a, a real talented director has done a lot of really important movies, and uh, for the casting list, so this is going to be funny from the perspective of the sharks all the all the just like in Tucker and Dale, you understand that the humans think that these sharks are evil and trying to kill things and like murder them. the sharks are literally just trying to get away. And they don't know the layout of the building. Yeah, they're they're just trying to get out.
2: So, question. Yeah. So, like a follow up to that. So, in like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, are are these people like impaling themselves on things?
0: There's a lot out? of them. Like, yeah, like,
2: like where he's like, he just he just impaled himself on this tree.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them trying to get away and doing dumb shit that ends up getting them killed. And so there's the, also the
2: sharks. The sharks think it's some sort of suicide cult too.
0: Well, it's more of like, Jesus, these people are insane. They they, they have okay. no, like, even self-preservation. The scene that I keep thinking of is uh, when, and it's like one of the most ridiculous movies in a very ridiculous, there uh, are scenes in a movie that's very ridiculous in its own right, when Skarsgård gets just dropped in the water from the helicopter, and then the yeah. shark, like, drags his, like, co- his body on a stretcher underwater and makes the helicopter crash into the facilities, which causes it to start sinking and then the shark takes his still living body with the with the uh the air you know he's breathing air through a little yeah. oxygen thing and then basically like slams him into the picture window that breaks way too easy
2: to fly. the Yeah and it's they really, stand there for way too way long way too long <laughs> but if if you have
0: the sharks talking it's like Oh, hey, guy! You're not supposed to be here. Are you okay? Let me let me bring you to your friends. And so it's more like the shark trying to help, Skarsgård get back to his buddies. And but like, it, it, oh,
2: he doesn't know that the glass is there. Exactly. So. He's like, there must be some sort of
0: force field. Like he just doesn't understand because he's a shark. You know. Okay. So they're smart, but they're, they don't understand what glass is just because they're smarter. They don't know what glass is. So
2: it's, it's clear to them. They're like, there shouldn't be anything here.
0: Yeah. I should be able to just like kind of peek my, my beacon and drop off this dude with his buddies and then be like, peace. And then roll out. So uh, that's the tone that I'm going for. Uh, So very fun, weird, and almost two different types of movies where there's like the hard action movie from the perspective of the people. And then there's like the goofy, we just got to get out of here version from the sharks. So for Carter Blake, uh go with Ch- Channing Tatum as the okay. like like take no prisoners like hero guy and playing it super stereotypical then as his uh as the scientist lady that breaks the rules and to get it her own way you've got a actress that can play very surprisingly comedic because her her beginnings were in comedy comedic acting but has done a lot of more uh serious stuff in recent times was in Eurovision vision song contest which was incredible the Notebook, oh, yeah. Mean Girls, Sherlock Holmes, Rachel McAdams.
2: Uh, one of my personal favorites.
0: Absolutely amazing actress and adorable, uh, like incredible. Like,
2: and Apparently she's supposed to be in the new Sherlock Holmes. I don't know how they're going to explain that.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's Sherlock Holmes, they can come up with some weird reasoning. But then we've got Russell Franklin. I went kind of with a little curveball here because I'd be interested to see if Russell Franklin was played almost more like as a, like an accountant type character where he's he's not like the badass that's in charge. It's more like he, he knows money. He knows business. He knows the, he's a nerd. He's a giant fucking nerd. And he doesn't know about like the actual like physicalities of the situation, um, but he tries to like take charge. So I went with um, a lesser known actor that's more of a writer than an actor, but you may have seen him on The Daily Show. He was in Dinner for Schmucks, uh, The Burning Back Show. He was in and also a writer on, and he was also in a, sh- a movie called Vamps, that was actually directed by amy uh, heckerling the the director uh talking about larry wilmore um and he if you need a little bit more of a idea of who he is there was the larry wilmore no. show that came on after the daily show for yeah. a little bit that he had his own show
2: yeah i remember it was it was the um oh goodness it was like ap- called like after or something like that something like that yeah yeah, yeah. and he was in like i, I, I remember seeing him in a, in a bunch of stuff he's a funny guy
0: very funny guy and i thought it would be yeah. fun to play him as like the fucking nerd dude that's like I'm in charge and nobody taking it seriously and him just not knowing yeah. the right thing to do uh then we've got Janice Higgins uh, that I thought it'd be more interesting in this version to have since Janice is uh lasts longer than uh than Jim Whitlock to have her as a little bit more of the hardline character and Jim the the like older scientist character to be more the kind of softy that's just there for science he's not an action hero by any stretch he's like kind of warm and so like the the warm character dying has a lot more of a emotional resonance than the like the kind of curmudgeonly character so for Janice Higgins i went with Michelle Yeoh okay uh, if you're unfamiliar she was in Crouching Hi- Tiger Hidden J- Dragon as uh yeah. Lian uh, uh Memoirs of a Geisha Star Trek Discovery as Philippa uh yeah. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is one of the uh, ravagers on St- Stallone's team in there.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's right. And, yep. I, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, she was also in this movie called Crazy Rich Asians.
0: Yes. No, she was in that as well. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Which, like, when, when I first saw that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's like a chick flick kind of thing. I don't know if I want to watch it, but it's a really good movie.
0: It's a good movie. <laughs> but she has a really interesting way of being both kind of like lovingly like you you're rooting for her characters even when she's kind of a hardline character she's able to play kind of both sides of that which i thought would be interesting in this role uh and then for her counterpart the like warmer version of jim whitlock who's just kind of like kind of a grandpa kind of vibe like a dad grandpa kind of vibe to him i wanted uh somebody that both worked with the director on red oaks and also Everybody knows and loves from his very brief film career, but also as the uh, the husband that everybody wanted to be in the '90s on Mad About You, Paul Reiser. Nice, and also he's played. Plus, a he
2: gets. Plus, he gets. He's already had the experience of being killed by an alien.
0: Yep, and also being so. a scientist that was killed by an alien. So, All right. Um. In in uh, Stranger Things. So, then we got on oh. to uh, the preacher, the the cook. And again, wanted somebody that had worked with the director before, Amy he- uh, Heckerling. This was a actor that is worked with her on the set of Clueless, has amazing uh, comedic timing, is able to ad-lib and kind of add his own elements to it. I think it would be very I fun. I already
2: know what you're going to say, yep. man. <laughs>
0: and th- this is the character that can talk to the sharks and also to his bird as well there's like a weird like kind of dr do kind of thing going on with this character and i think donald Faison would be an absolute blast watching him kind of dissect what's actually fucking happening as the sharks are like oh plus,
2: no plus he's played a doctor
0: he has played a doctor so, so. perfect you
2: know, you know the interesting thing is like to add on to that that whole you know you made that clueless reference and you know, i'm almost looking back and wondering it's like maybe i should have cast paul rudd well you know, and that's that of gerard butler and that's what
0: brings me to uh tom scoggins the kind of comedic relief uh, paul rudd yeah as, okay. as far as <laughs> i also went with and i thought Sorry, like, I didn't mean
2: to steal your thunder no, no no but
0: also kind of just like a, a nod to anybody that's a fan of the director that you have scenes <laughs> that have uh donald Faison and paul rudd in it at the same time as like uh you know the alumni of Clueless in another movie yeah. together, but this time they're fighting sharks and not class. Uh, class, because no, then you could have
2: basically taken like any of the male characters from that movie and put them in that. You know, pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, you think about it. You get you have those two, and then you have like Brecken who could totally pull it off, although he'd be shorter than everybody else in the movie.
0: There was an early <sighs> version of my casting that I'm like, why don't I just put the cast of Clueless in Deep Blue Sea <laughs> and just see what it looks like. But...
2: <laughs> But so question about that. So like, if you were to do that, like, who would be the doctor? That's the genius. Would that then be Alicia Silverstone, or would that be somebody else? Like Brittany. Well, you can't do Brittany Murphy right now.
0: No, no, Brittany Murphy is otherwise exactly. preoccupied. Sadly, uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But um maybe. Oh, what's her face? Uh, the the main character is like best at BFF, St-
2: Stacey Dash. Yeah, Stacey the, Dash, the yep. actress.
0: Yep, that's that's where I go. Plays
2: D. Nice.
0: but now we're getting to the point where we are going to be talking um mashups before we get into our trailers here this is where we decide what other properties might be interesting to mash up with uh with deep blue sea here now the first thing that i mentioned when i posted this on our social media was besides jaws because that's just such a obvious choice yeah i wanted other options besides the uh the obvious here so um, one that I was thinking would be interesting is if uh, you did a mashup with Godzilla where you have like, Excellent. you make yeah. Deep Blue Sea, the, the the head genetically manipulated shark as far bigger, like much like unreasonably big where it's, it's like, like huge, huge, <laughs> just, like huge, huge. <laughs> just really get stupid with it and make them like stupid big. And then you get it to fight Godzilla. That That's the whole reason why they manipulated it, so that it could go and uh, nice. fight Godzilla in the water. Because there's enough land and, and air creatures that are fighting Godzilla. Not a lot of in the water fighting creatures for Godzilla. So I thought that'd be interesting.
2: Um, um, you- so I, I've actually, so my, my first one that I have on my list is, uh, we talked about this movie earlier, was uh, Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> Jurassic Park? <laughs>
2: Jurassic park. I was like, this is kind of perfect. It's like, you know, they, they, they let them, they, you have that one, obviously you have to bring in one other character that kind of, you know, screws everything up and lets them out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, but besides that, it's basically Jurassic park and water to begin with. So fair enough. Right.
0: Um, we've got a, from Tori on, uh, a regular on GY, uh, uh, the suggestion of another Sam Jackson classic, "Snakes on a Plane,"
2: which <laughs> uh, that's great. So, sharks on a plane, or well, are we going to go like submarines now?
0: I think maybe what you do is you have the the snakes that are on the plane. The plane that the snakes are on cr- is what crashes into the ocean facility, and then you've got snakes and sharks <laughs> that you have and to fight. get these
2: motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking
0: ocean installation yeah
2: yes
0: <laughs> and that's how sam jackson shows up is that he was on the plane and then he's there to fight motherfucking sharks and snakes
2: so he f- survives the crash only to be eaten by a shark there we go yeah i mean just <laughs> right. like
0: like not a great day and then our friend katie from nerdcropolis suggested air jaws which was a, a regular invo series from the uh shark week oeuvre yeah.
2: they're actually doing what their 20th Their 20th Air Jaws is something like that recently, or it's supposed to be airing sometime this week.
0: So, I would like to see an Air Jaws where they're watching the sharks jump out of the water, and then there's this 40 foot shark that just suddenly jumps out of the water, and just to see the reaction. But also,
2: maybe another good one would be like, and obviously, this is already you know, there was already a movie made a couple years ago about it. Um, you know, the Meg, yes, (laughs) with uh.
0: Well, that's, you know, you could do where wait. the megalodon escapes the underwater area and then they yeah. genetically alter a shark that they can control to fight the megalodon. Yeah. And then it's on shark, or maybe, on shark or action. Or maybe
2: they somehow capture the megalodon and do all the genetic altering to that because they're like, oh, it's a bigger shark.
0: Well, there we go. You, like, start, you yeah. start with the big shark, you genetically manip- manipulate it, and that's how you get the shark that fights Godzilla. So there we go. Yeah. The trifecta. So wait.
2: So so you take you take you take the Meg and maybe, um, obviously to like do do the the brain enhancements and everything, but then also do like a great white, you know? Like yeah. Two of the two of the best predators in like the history in like in the history of this planet.
0: <laughs> go head to
2: head. Well, no, I'm saying like fuse them together, like do some sort of like you know, super jaws.
0: <laughs> it's got like the uh, well it's got the size of the Megalodon, but it's got like the, the fucking like jaw structure of the great white and just yeah. fuck shit up. Yeah.
2: It's like, cause you have, you have those large jaws and then you have like the, the, the ability for them to just like bend backwards. Like mm-hmm. a, like a great white can do.
0: Now, as far as uh, air jaws, uh, another thing that I wanted to mention on this episode is that if you didn't know that there was a sequel to deep blue sea, there is now three deep blue sea movies on the 28th of July, the third installment of Deep Blue Sea released and that actually is a this basic plot is that there's like a floating kind of villa area in I think Asia somewhere uh, that they're returning to for Shark Week and then that's when all the chaos ensues with gen- genetically manipulated sharks so it's a perfect that's viewing awesome. it's out there in a lot of the places where you can get your uh, your stream stuff uh, for for purchase or rent I believe so check that out if you want to see something as a, a, a film that uh represents shark week in its own way that would be a way to go
2: now, well, yeah and didn't they do they, i was looking at this the other day like after we kind of uh, chatted about this i hadn't even realized that there was like a two much less a three no shit <laughs> you know? and two
0: they have like remote controlled sharks they have sharks that like respond to like electrical stimuli so they can use them like rc cars but they're sharks so that's that's interesting that's a choice so that's great Uh, That being said, now we're at the the last little part of our show where we do the trailers. So I'm going to cue up the music. And I I think I'm going to do my my whimsical telepathic shark version for my version. Which version are you going to do?
2: I'm going to do just like it's like they're smarter and they're hungrier. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. So I'm going to cue up the music. One second. Sharks are smarter. And hungry for human flesh. Again. Yeah, we did this three times before.
1: Get ready for a fourth. Jason Momoa. Blake Lively. Deep Blue Sea 4. Yeah, we're doing it again.
0: (laughs) Short and sweet. Little teaser there for everybody. That's fantastic. All right, now I'm going to be doing my uh, my telepathic, uh, whimsical comedy version of it here, so here we go.
1: Just when you thought it was safe to genetically manipulate sharks in the water, comes a new season of fear. This summer, join Amy Heckerling, director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Clueless, and the producer of the much-misremembered Baby Talk TV series. Remember that one? Anyway, she's bringing you a new imagining of the 90s sci-fi horror classic, Deep Blue Sea. Carter Blake is a man down on his luck that finds a new life as a shark wrangler on an aquatic rig in the middle of the ocean. Played by Channing Tatum. Rachel Adams is a headstrong scientist that is doing whatever she can do to try to change the world. They butt heads and hearts as they as they run from the menace that is talking sharks. A new vision of deep blue sea as the sharks develop telepathic abilities and we are inside their head. This summer, be the shark. See the shark. Hear the shark. Just like the only man on earth that could hear them. Donald Faison. As the chef preacher. Man, I don't want to be talking to no sharks. (laughs) This summer. Go deep. Go blue. Deep blue sea.
0: All right. Well, that's not as bad as some of the choices I've made in the past, so I'll, I'll go ahead and <laughs> stick with that one. <laughs> All right. So that, that clears it for this episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the show that uh, ruins some of the things that you love. And uh, hopefully this was a nice little addition to your shark week. Uh, We want to hear from all of our listeners on what they enjoyed on previous episodes, what you liked about this show, some of your suggestions on who you would cast for the characters, director uh, opportunities for this uh, material here and what you want to hear in the future. I want to thank my uh, co-conspirator on this episode, uh, the Danimal, all the way from Colorado to uh, bring the, the noise and the funk on this Deep Blue Sea episode.
2: It's a pleasure, brother. And
0: I was, I'm glad to have you on again, man. And uh, definitely rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff that you do to all the podcasts that all the podcasts in the world ask you to do at the end of their episodes. We're also going to ask you to do here as well. Um, make sure that you rate, review, because it does bring us up in the rankings. Let's other people discover all the dumb shit that we do on this on this show. And uh, make sure to contact us on all our social media. All that stuff's available at Podcast.com. Make sure to check out all the other shows on the network as well. As always, I am Mike the Hobbit. And you just got pitch smacked.
1: GUI (laughs) Podcast.com